Coming up on episode 176 of Wheel Bearings, we're driving the 2021 Chrysler Pacifica all-wheel drive and 2021 BMW 540i xDrive. We name the highs and lows out of the cars we drove during the year, and we make some predictions for 2021. That's all ahead on episode 176 of Wheel Bearings. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be a part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is Wheel Bearings. I am Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Rebecca Linlin from Rebecca Drives. And I'm Sam Abuwal Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I was wondering who was going to win the toss up there. So it's, it's good. Thank you for working that out. Um, this is our first episode of 2021. So welcome. We made it. We're on the other side. Um, and the other side t- of an arbitrary dateline, which. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Time is a construct, man. Just lean into it. It's it's fine. Um, it's it's great. My line when I'm a little late to meetings is like, "Well, you're on the eastern edge of the time zone, and I'm a little further west of you." So that sounds <laughs> fair. It's a, I'm a little later than you are. Yeah. The sun gets the sun rises about five minutes later here. So yeah. Uh, so they, no, it's a it's a big difference. Oh no, it is. It's weird when I when I go out there. It's dark in the morning. <laughs> Well, perhaps you should just adjust your the time, you know, the alarm, you, time your alarm goes off. But I never use an alarm. I have a perfect oh, internal clock. Straight off the rails. <laughs> Jesus. It's a, good, it's a good thing it's January. You know, it's, <laughs> it's totally representative of driving in wintertime. Look, we've We're got the show rundown. Okay. And this is the banter portion before we get to the garage. This We're almost like, actually 1% through right. 2021 already. Yeah. Look at that. See? Yeah. Positive. All if right. this were a newscast, this would be like the <laughs> awkward bit that the, the anchors do at the desk before they just like throw to the weather guy who has to figure it out and like how to transition. So uh, now with weather, we've got Marv. Um, oh, my all right. goodness. So we're going to talk about uh, some some cars that we drove uh, this year's our last year. favorites. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. In the in the, the year that just passed uh, and, and our highs and lows, you know, the ones that we liked the best, the ones that we liked uh, the least and and why but first 
Let's talk about the cars that are currently sitting in your driveway. Um, I still have the uh, Ford F three fifty XLT Tremor. How long have you had that thing for? Two uh, weeks. Well, it's yeah, it's two weeks. It's the holidays, so uh, okay. It's actually really handy because I'm going to throw the two because uh, of our Christmas tree disaster. We have two. <laughs> old christmas trees um, i'm gonna throw them in the back and then take them to some friends with some goats and apparently the goats oh, love to nice. eat. Oh, yeah. yes they so, do yeah good um, way to recycle them yeah it's super handy that way uh and the the only thing i will note is that i looked it has the the sticker on the windshield that it's built in kentucky i think there's a louisville um, yeah truck plant yeah louisville kentucky the louisville truck plant yeah and that's home of the super duty as it says so I got to thinking, I was like, huh, this is a very expensive truck. And, and Kentucky um, economically isn't in great shape. So I, I looked up the stats and it turns out that um, Kentucky is, uh, I think, fourth from the bottom in terms of poverty rates. So there's a 16% poverty rate, 16 point something percent poverty rate in Kentucky. Uh, so only four states have worse poverty. And uh, they are 44th in median income at like 50,000. So median means like there's what, half that make less, half that make more? Or does that mean I'm so shitty? No, it's it's the midpoint uh, rather than the average. Right. Okay. So um, I I didn't actually look up how many people actually work at that truck plant, but that's a UAW plant. So I'm sure those are actually pretty good jobs and they make a great truck. and and the poverty rate fell. It was in 2018, I think it was actually higher. It was 17.7%. So um, I, it just struck me as like this truck costs more than the the uh, median income of, uh, in in a year in, in that state. And so, I, I you know, I wonder how the folks who build it sort of feel about it as it goes down the line. You know, I, when I've worked on stuff that has a huge price tag and just like I – it's it's a weird thing from a but that's from true a, for a lot of vehicles. Oh, for vehicles sure. Vehicles are, yeah. you know, the what's the average income in the US like fifty six, fifty seven thousand, somewhere um, in there. Yeah. And yeah, and so, uh, I think the average transaction price in twenty twenty uh was just about thirty nine thousand dollars. Yeah. So, that's crazy. Yeah. But that's also why it's so important in my mind to have a very healthy used car market, to have vehicles that people can you know, newer vehicles that people can get in for a better price point that gives them the safety and the comfort and conveniences, but primarily the safety that so many of the newer vehicles afford them. Right. And, and, you know, the uh, modern vehicles have become so much more durable and long lasting. You know, the average age of cars on the road in the U S now is, is just over 12 years. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's, it's not at all unusual for you know vehicles to last 20 25 30 years you know a lot of vehicles you know, there's a lot of vehicles upwards of 20 years old that are still very you know perfectly serviceable yes. um you know and you know they're affordable to a lot of people yeah but like rebecca says i mean the issue that you miss out on is is the safety improvements i think about you know 20 year old cars and i'm not sure i'd want to get hit by some of the new say pickups that are very popular that's and true yeah it's kind of like walking by a, a large wall um but and it's not a, i'm not trying to make any kind of uh statement about um kentucky or, or uh you know anything derogatory about kentucky it just struck me um because you know honestly if the median income is fifty seven thousand versus 50 
that's not going to make a ton of difference whether you're in, say, um, Massachusetts or uh, Kentucky. It, it's just the median income is not that different and cars are expensive. So I, it was just I started playing with figures for curiosity. So beyond that, <laughs> you two were driving things. Um Sam, what are you driving? Rebecca went first in intro. Yes. Yeah. So Let's Sam, what Sam. are you driving? So um <laughs> speaking of, you know, expensive vehicles, I had the uh the 2021 Chrysler Pacifica uh all-wheel drive limited. Is that um, truly expensive? Uh yeah, the the one I drove, um uh, bottom line sticker price uh or is it here. Um uh, Right around the median income of the average person. No kidding. (laughs) You know, so granted, you know, this is, you know, actually not quite the the top end. Uh, The top end of the Pacifica lineup is actually uh, the pinnacle trim. So there's actually a more expensive version of this. But, you know, this is close to the, I mean, this was a pretty much loaded Pacifica. and, you know, we've talked about the Pacifica in the past. Uh, you know, we've, I think we've all driven it at various times in, in various guises, both the, the plug-in hybrid version and the gas engine version, which is what this one was. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic minivan. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think if, if you need to move people, you know, if you have, you know, younger kids that you need to haul around, I still say that minivans are a vastly superior form, you know, form factor for that than SUVs, you know, unless, you know, unless you need to, you know, move seven people and, you know, tow a 5,000 pound boat, you know, or a 10,000 pound travel trailer at the same time, you know, minivans are so much better. You know, they're easier to get in and out of, especially to the third row, Um, the sliding doors, you know, and the, the lower floor, you know, if you've got kids that you've got to strap into booster seats um, or, or child seats, it is so much easier to get them in and out of a minivan than it is an SUV. Um, you know, this one, uh, the, the Pacifica, you know, is, I think, you know, it's, I guess, about four years uh, since it first came out now. I think it's a 2017 model. Um, and it's, you know, it's got a refresh for this year, mid-cycle refresh. So it's got revised front end styling um you know the the biggest you know some of the biggest changes to this one are the new uconnect 5 infotainment system which i'll come back to in a minute Mm -hmm. um it they now have brought back all-wheel drive as an option which used to be an option on the chrysler minivans um until the last couple of generations um and it's also got the stow and go seats uh for both the second and third rows you know so you can the third row seats can Flip back into the the well at the back behind the rear axle, uh, leaving a flat floor back there. And then there's also um, a couple of wells in front of the second row seats that you can drop the second row seats forward and down into that and leave a completely flat floor without the hassle like in the old days with with the vans where if you wanted to to haul some some larger cargo uh you'd have to you know take the seats out and leave them in your garage now you can just drop them down into these wells in the floor have a flat floor fantastic for that so you've got incredible flexibility here um the uh and the all-wheel drive was handy uh you know being you know december in in michigan uh we did get some snow and you know in my neighborhood you know there's some some roads where in the past uh I, you know they've got a, a fairly significant slope where i've had challenges with certain cars getting them up that slope when they're snowy and icy and 
<coughs> excuse me. And this one just climbed right up the hill. No problem at all. Um, so the all wheel drive can be a very handy feature if you live in cold weather climates. Uh, and some of the other new features uh, for this year. Uh, one of the one of the really cool features is what they call the fam cam, uh, which has cameras mounted in the, the headliner of the van that uh, you can pull it up on the screen, you know, in the, you know, I know myself in the past, you know, when my kids were young, uh, we'd, we'd have a little uh, mirror, little, you know, uh, mm-hmm. concave, convex mirror that we would clip onto the, the roof or the, the, you know, onto the uh, sun visor or something that would give us a view of the kids in the back seat. Um, you know, this takes it a step further. So you've got views of both the second and third row seats and, you know, you can tap on the screen and zoom in to, to different, seating positions, you know, and check, you know, so if you've got a, a baby in a, in a rear facing car seat in, in one of the, the seating positions, you know, you can take a look, make sure they're okay, things like that. Um, so that's also very handy. Um, uh, you know, great, great features to have in a family hauler. I think they've done a really nice job of putting those in, of really saying, embracing who their audience is. Yeah. And, you know, it's they're they're features. They're they're the the kinds of features that, you know, when you think about who is the intended audience for this, Mm -hmm. you know, what are the kinds of features that would actually be useful to them? They're not just gimmicks. They're actually really genuinely useful. Things like that, like that fam cam are genuinely useful. And the way they've uh, they've integrated it, you know, in the Uconnect 5 system. So Uconnect 5 is their new infotainment system uh, that it's one of the first ones that's based on Android Automotive, which we've talked about in the past. So this is a version of Google's Android operating system that is optimized to be the base OS for Operate or for infotainment systems and cars. You know, in the past, some manufacturers like Honda have used the Android open source project uh, code as the base, the basis for their infotainment system. And they build their own interface on top of it. But, you know, those that system you know, was designed for phones. Um, it's not really designed as a car operating system. Android Automotive takes that and extends that and and, modif- and optimizes it for use as an automotive infotainment system. And it works great. You know, it's, it's quick. It's responsive. The, the, the standard 10.1 inch display that's in the Pacifica for 2021 uh, looks really good. Very, very bright, contrasty. Uh, it, you know, it, whether, you know, sunlight or, or in the dark, you know, it looks really good. Um, it, it responds very well. You know, there's no no lag or latency when you're tapping on things. The interface itself is well designed, you know, nice large touch targets. It's easy to navigate around. Everything is, is fairly straightforward. Um, there's a strip at the top uh, where, you know, one of the icons on that strip uh, is, you know, takes you direct to FamCam. So, you know, and that's that's pers- that's a persistent strip that stays there along the top of the screen. So you can one tap, you can get the, the, the views, you know, three camera view of the back seats and see what's going on. So if you're on a road trip. One tap, you can see exactly what's happening behind you. Um, unfortunately, the particular vehicle that was sent to me uh, turns out the the UConnect box, the 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 connectivity box uh, that handles the uh, the communications to the outside world, was non functional, um, and it's 
they're investigating. You know, it's not clear if it was a problem with the particular box or the, the one they sent me just hadn't been programmed properly or what the deal was. They're going to get me another one. But what that means is that some of the features of Uconnect 5 were not available. So, for example, um, with Uconnect 5, um, the, the base digital voice assistant system that's built in there is um, uh, Amazon's Alexa voice services. And so, uh, you know, when you want to pull up music or uh, navigate and, you know, anything else, you know, you would do with voice controls, um, you tap on the, the voice button uh, and the, the default uh, would be Alexa voice services. And normally the way that works um, on, on many of these newer systems, they're hybrid systems. So they've got some component of the voice control that's built into the infotainment system for when you lose connectivity. So you, you still have basic voice control for navigation and things like that. Does it but change personalities? Like when you, <laughs> you can, you can change the voices. Um, and, no, but like uh, when it drops from like the, the connected oh, one it, it to goes, the It goes side. to a uh, simpler, uh, simpler system, more like traditional voice recognition. So it's not, it's not as natural language capable Oh, as the cloud-based system, um, because you know you, you can't do a lot of that stuff locally. So there, it's got a backup system that can handle basic functionality, but uh, it can't do some of the more sophisticated things that you could normally do with an Amazon Echo type device. And essentially, <clears throat> when it's working, it is essentially an Amazon Echo in your car. Uh, so anything you can do with an Echo, you can do with with Alexa voice services. Um, it, it's uh, as I said, that wasn't functioning in this one because it couldn't communicate with the cloud. Uh, and there were a few other things that uh, as a result also didn't didn't work properly. Um, so I'm going to get another one in a few weeks and <clears throat> it should be working. I spent some time on the phone with uh, the guys at Chrysler to try to diagnose it. And they, and um, they found out what was going on. So they're going to get me another one. Um, but aside from that, you know, the rest of it was was really good. It has part of <clears throat> part of what you get with the with Uconnect 5 is um, wireless um, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay support. Uh, and there's a wireless charger built in underneath the uh, underneath the, the center stack. Uh, so once you once you set once you get in uh, first time you get in, you connect to Bluetooth. It asks you if you want to connect to Android Auto or Apple CarPlay, depending on which device you're using, uh, you can then you can set that up and then you, you don't have to mess with that again. Then next time you get in the car, you don't even have to take your phone out of your pocket or purse. Uh, it just as long as your Bluetooth and Wi-Fi are on on your phone, it'll connect and you can use those interfaces. And <clears throat> when you're doing that, you still get to use uh, Google Assistant or Siri, depending on which device you're using. Uh, and it's using the connection through your phone. To, to do those. Um, uh, and as with many of the other cars that they've tested, uh, you know, it's a tip. And I think I can't remember which one, which one it was that you had, Rebecca, that you had the issue with where um, when you were connected with Android Auto, you couldn't use the base, um, the, the, the embedded voice control system that's the mazda cx9 and it turns know, out that that's also true with other the newer mazda systems. yeah so with um with most other vehicles um you know if you do a quick tap on the voice button on the steering wheel it brings up whatever the default uh voice recognition system is and in this case it would normally be alexa um and then a long press on that voice button will bring up 
the phone's assistant. Uh, and that worked, that part worked fine. Um, so no complaints there. You know, I get in the car, I drop my phone on the wireless charger, uh, Android auto connects and, you know, I can use whichever system I prefer. Um, so, you know, as far as the cost goes, yes, you know, this particular one, you know, was pretty much loaded up. Uh, it was a beautiful new color called ocean blue. Uh, it had the, the S package, you know, which gives you the blacked out grill and, and, uh, wheels and everything. And actually kind of looks like, you know, if you put uh, a red dome light on the roof, you know, it would look like a Michigan state police minivan <laughs> at the state police drove Pacificas instead of, uh, <clears throat> instead of, uh, chargers and, uh, and how much explorers. was it again? This one was $55,000. Okay, because I was just looking. I had one in last year in 2019 that was fifty thousand, and it also had the S appearance package and a couple other things. So I'll be interested to see. What yeah, it well, this have. one also had all-wheel drive, which wasn't available uh, last uh, year. Okay, right. Um, so you know, the all-wheel okay, drive is like, you know, very handy to have in wintertime. How did sure. they do all-wheel drive? Is it? Um... Is there like a drive shaft for it? Is it all yeah. just electric motor on the rear axle? No, there, there's a there's a drive shaft. Uh, so all wheel drive is only available with the the 3.8 liter uh, or 3.6 liter Panastar V6. Mm -hmm. uh, if you get the plug in hybrid version, it's still front wheel drive only. So there's no. And that's what I had. Yeah. So there's no yeah. um, all wheel drive option right now with the plug in hybrid. Um, but you can put snows on. Don't forget. Yes, and and yeah. that's you know, you know highly recommended. You know if you yeah. drive somewhere where there's a lot of snow, um, and so the the touring model starts at thirty five thousand uh, dollars, and then you know it goes up from there. Uh, you know, adding adding all wheel drive uh, is about a three thousand dollar option on the touring or the touring L. The limited starts at forty eight three ninety. The pinnacle at fifty three four, um, and uh, last year. Uh, when one of the things that uh, Chrysler did when they discontinued the old Dodge Caravan, the previous generation Dodge Caravan, is that finally discontinued? Like out? It's, like it's, it's it's done. They're no longer in production. No longer building them. No longer building them. Um, oh. They do they do offer the um, speaking of twenty. They, they revived cars. the Voyager branding for a baseline right. model. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, so you can you can get the the Voyager, which starts at twenty seven thousand two thirty five. So it's basically a, a slightly decontented version of the Pacifica. Uh, and that, that, as I said, that's, you know, that's a much more affordable at twenty seven thousand two thirty five, you know, twenty twenty eight thousand, you know, with delivery. Um, and uh, those, you know, those that's still you know, you still have you know a lot of the it, you still have the same core vehicle, you know, so it drives well, handles well. Um, you know, it's got a, a nice powertrain in it. Um, I did most of my driving around town. Um, the gas engine version is not the most fuel efficient. You know, I mean, it's fairly typical of a of a minivan like this. You know, EPA fuel economy uh, combined rating is 20 miles per gallon, 17 city, 25 highway. Um, frankly, you know, if I was going to buy one, unless you really want an all wheel drive, I would really recommend considering the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid instead. Um, because, Which also doesn't really get great fuel economy. Like, uh, it does better, but. Uh, no, I, actually, I've had I've had really good experience with the, yeah. with the hybrid. Yeah, it gets about, uh, depending on, you know, you're, you're driving anywhere from 30 to 35 miles of electric driving range. So, you know, with on a full charge, you know, you can do most of your daily driving without ever using a drop of gas. Yeah, I did 35 miles, 35 miles per gallon 
um, on average when I had it. And that was with 33 miles of rain of charge of EV range. Yeah. Okay. So and, that's, that's and getting upper thirties is not hard, you know, uh, as an, as yeah, an average, we all know I, yeah. I don't try. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I think part of it probably was the way that I used it when I had it, um, where it was longer, longer drives. And I, I don't know. I can't recall being super impressed by the fuel economy. That was so mine was I drove it for an hour when I got 35. And then here's another screenshot I took that I got 34 on a shorter drive, 25 minutes, 34 on a 23 minute drive. But I mean, that's pretty good. And obviously I wasn't I didn't have a lot of people in it. I wasn't hauling a lot of stuff. But, you know, the other thing I like is the range. It's got 400 miles of range Mm -hmm. with that. And And as Sam said, you know, in the if you're doing. Well, it's hard to know how families are using it now, but, you know, if you're doing some errands in the morning and then can come home and charge it back up, especially if you have a level two charger, then you can do your afternoon errands with on EV again and get, you know, 60 miles of range in a day, potentially. I got very chewed out by somebody who I think unfriended me now, um, an old college roommate, old college friend who, um, was very derogatory about my discussion. I remember when I had this about uh, a family running errands on EV. And he's like, if you really think that a family of four can run 35 miles of errands, you have no idea, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, whatever, see ya. And so, <laughs> but if you've got that level two, again, every can, family's different, but yeah. Every family's different. If you have a small, a small town and, you know, so anyway. I think the EV is a great, I think, I think the hybrid's a great choice. You know what that is? That's privilege talking. Right. That's well, and, yeah. And, and the <laughs> other, the other advantage, <laughs> yeah, the, the other advantage to the hybrid is it's still eligible for a $7,500 federal tax credit. Oh, that's amazing. So, See, there you go. You know, so now you're in the forties. It's like, that's like a 40, $48,000 car, right? Right. And, uh, you know, the, Let's see, where's uh, that's pretty impressive, though. I mean, if if you can get that, that does make a you know, why wouldn't you want to save that kind of dough? Well, and I think, too, one of the things uh, thinking back that I didn't do is I don't know that I charged the Pacifica, so I think I ran it just yeah. as a hybrid, so right. And you know, clearly, it's you know, it's not going to do as well. And you know, a vehicle this size is never going to get you know, 50 miles per gallon like a Prius. Um, but you know, if you can get, you know, 30, 35 miles per gallon, you know, as, as a hybrid with this thing, which is very doable. Uh, and you know, when you, if you charge it regularly, you know, doing most of your driving on electricity, it, you know, it's far more efficient and the hybrid, the hybrid touring, you know, for this year, um, they made the, the hybrid available across all four, uh, trim level across all mm-hmm. the trim levels on the Pacifica. Smart. So like you can get the hybrid touring, uh, sticker, the sticker price starts at 40,000. So, you know, with the tax credit, you're looking down at, you know, under $33,000, uh, to start with, which, you know, is it's actually pretty reasonable. So here's the thing about being right about the minivan. Uh, because every time we have one, we say this, you know, they're the best sort of option for carrying people and things and efficiently. And you know, if we can get 30 with the, the hybrid, that's that's pretty great. Um, that's better than uh, I recall. So uh, any anything above that is sort of like gravy. A, a vehicle with that much utility that's that's that efficient is, is pretty great. 
but nobody seems to care yeah. <laughs> that we're right. Um, and this is the, I guess this is the burden of being right. Correct. Uh, Wait, just, what do you mean? Nobody seems to care. Uh, I, nobody, I think there's no, fewer and fewer people are buying minivans. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. That, and yeah. that's what that's, I mean, and then they'll freely admit to be like, yeah, you're right, but we're going to go buy something else. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, <laughs> okay. We're, like we're going to go buy a Durango instead. You yeah. Know, or, fine. But uh, also, but people a, are having smaller families as well. There's more and more yeah, because cars cost uh, a year's worth of income. <laughs> no, because they don't want family. They don't want kids. I don't blame them. <laughs> uh, well, who's going to pick your your nursing home? <laughs> yeah, I've got that all figured out. Don't worry. Oh, okay. well, well, you know, you Many know, Chry- and nephews. You know, Chry- Chrysler has found a very interesting market niche for the Pacifica hybrid, though. Yeah, uh, that's all the companies developing uh, automated vehicles, robo taxis. These are very yeah. popular. You know, because it's uh, it's the only plug in hybrid minivan. Um, they have become very popular. You know, obviously, Waymo you know, is best known, but companies like Voyage, Mo- um, uh, Motional, um, Aurora, uh, Auto X. You know, there's a bunch of companies that are using these now as their the base vehicle for their automated driving development. Uh, because, you know, especially, you know, as a for that robo taxi application, if you're not going to develop a purpose built robo taxi like the Cruise Origin or the Zooks vehicle, you know, this is the next best thing. You know, you've got sliding doors, power sliding doors uh, on both sides, easy access to the thing. It's a plug in hybrid, um, you know, so, you know, it's more more efficient and you've got the electrical power to power the, the AV system. Uh, so and. You know, Chrysler, when when Waymo first went to Chrysler back in 2016 and wanted to buy some, you know, they said, OK, well, you know, we'll sell you we'll sell you the vans. But, you know, given, you know, at that time, it was just it was 100 to start with for their first batch. They said, OK, we'll work with you to build a, a custom uh, wiring harness you know, for this thing. So you don't, because up to that point, every time Waymo or Google were, were buying vehicles for their test fleet, you know, they would buy they would go and buy Priuses or Lexus RX hybrids and they would have to go in and tap into the wiring harness on every one of these, you know, to to hook up all their sensors and their compute. And every one was a custom build. And Chrysler said, OK, you know, you're buying 100 of these and, and hopefully a lot more. We'll put together a custom version of the wiring harness for you and install it on the on the assembly line in the factory. So it becomes basically plug and play um for for that and you know they've subsequently added you know additional things like redundant braking systems redundant power steering systems and that's why all these other companies are buying pacificas now because chrysler is offering essentially an av ready version of the pacifica hybrid to these companies so is that the trick you have to buy like a hundred of them and then they'll build you exactly what you want (laughs) I mean, if 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 you if you buy a hundred and you have the potential to buy thousands more, like like Waymo, you know, then well, uh, I yeah. have impeccable taste. So a hundred cars configured the way I would like them will be very popular once people find out that I have have designed. <laughs> well, the you see, that, that's what we have to do. Then you have to configure a custom Pacifica, and then we can convince everybody to buy Pacificas again. Right, it's the Pacifica wheel bearings package. Yeah, mm. perfect. <laughs> and yes, they all, they, I hope they all come with wheel bearings, but yeah. you know. <laughs> All I know is I want the pinnacle so I can have the little pillow, which I actually do oh, have the little pillow. Yeah. That was a, oh, that was, right. does the pinnacle have like the um? Uh, yeah, it's got um, the quilted pillows. Well, that, yes, quilted yeah, leather I'm, pillows. They're really nice. I think nice. I'm thinking of the uh, 
the Sienna that has like the lazy boys though, right? Like the little, yeah, uh, the, the, yeah the Toyota Sienna, which I had the, a couple weeks Kia, ago. The Kia Sedona had those as well. Had Does like, it? Yeah. Yeah. Had reclining seats with the Ottoman that comes up and everything like a first yeah, class. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nope. I wish I could drive like that. <laughs> Just pretty awesome. All right. What yeah. about you, Rebecca? What'd you have? Yeah. What you, well, Rebecca well, had something that's uh, rather luxurious too, I, right? I'm a little afraid to say, given that, that Dan is on his everyman rant this morning. But. No, no, it's, it's fine. Dan's always I, on an everyman I'm rant. So. <laughs> Listen, I am the shop steward in this place. <laughs> so, I had the 2021 BMW 540i xDrive sedan, and it was delish. I'm I was going to say, that doesn't, that doesn't suck. That's, it didn't suck. Yeah. It didn't suck. It just, you know, first of all, <laughs> number one most important thing, it does not have the new grill so mm. that so that's the number one thing that people should know <laughs> and if you don't know what the new grill looks like you're lucky <laughs> <laughs> is it it's been very polarizing uh, among journal and, like auto auto enthusiasts and, and car writers but I, like, I, is it that big of a deal i i don't understand how it's polarizing and the reason I'm, i say that is because why would it's anybody just, actually like it? Exactly. There well, isn't I, anything polarizing so about I, it. I mean, have you had the luxury of seeing it in person? Because I haven't. So no, I have I not. But you know what, though? But I also did not see Bette Midler in Hocus Pocus live. And I can say <laughs> that that's sub op as well. Uh, so I think... <laughs> My impression is that, and and I don't want to derail us into yeah. I mean, this car doesn't have the grill anyway. But um, it, it, the there are some models like the the four series that have the grill that in some shots they look good, in no, others they look awkward. And okay. so depends on what you've been drinking or what you've been. In, in fairness, consuming. I will go down. There is a BMW dealership not far from me. I will go down even today. And look at oh, them I did in not person. Mean to give you homework. You don't have no, to. No, because I know you're absolutely right, though. I should go see it in person. And the dealerships used to be I used to live not far from them, but now it's not in a part of town that I necessarily need to go ever. And so because um, Greenwich is larger than people realize. But so it's it's in the southern part of Greenwich. I live in the northern part of Greenwich. It's probably six miles away, which doesn't sound very far, but I will make a concerted effort to go to the other side of the tracks and check. Well, you should be able to do that on a, you should be able to do that on a full charge electric. Uh, charge. Yeah. It, no, you're absolutely right. I should. So, so yeah, so I had this and I, there's a couple things that, that struck me. So first of all, it's, um, it's wonderful to drive. It's quiet. It's incredibly comfortable. Um, I, I, I drove it in comfort mode and then I turned it to sport and that was just stupid fun. And I could get myself into a lot of trouble with that. Um, there's, there's a, there's a road not far from me that is uh, in very poor shape and really needs to be repaved. And it's actually the perfect place to drive things because, you know, nowadays a lot of the roads uh, are, are often paved and, and, you know, the, the only surface change you really get is just the different sounds you can get from surface changes. But this one in particular for me is ideal to drive on and see how the car really responds. And in comfort mode, this thing was probably one of the quietest that I've had in terms of, of that both engagement, but also very comfortable. And again, the sport was even more fun than when I put it in there. But the one thing, <laughs> so my brother Larry's visiting from California and 
rest assured, we quarantined and then we got tested before we uh, five days into his visit. And uh, we had so much fun in this car. However, the infotainment system, which is, you know, often dominates our conversations about these vehicles, it has that gesture control, which my only gesture to that thing is usually my middle finger inappropriately and not ladylike you at know. all. But it's much worse when two half Italian people are in the car. <laughs> because you oh talk with your God, hands all the time. Oh yeah, my God, let me tell you. <laughs> We set off that thing. It did all sorts of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just wait till it, you find out what it ordered from Alexa or from uh, from Amazon for you. Like things just going to show up at the door. So, so even the, so, Larry is very Norwegian looking. He he looks just like my dad. Very tall, blonde hair, blue eyed, exactly like me, right? And so, and but we do both talk with our finger, our hands. We gesture, and it's very very funny to watch that thing. Like try to figure out in its German austerity what the hell these Italians are talking about. So that was the one, that was the only thing that was kind of a downside. But otherwise, you know, it just, it was beautiful. It's got a 3.0 liter, uh, the twin turbo inline six, uh, all wheel drive. This one has, I think the horsepower is in the threes. Let me just grab so that. I think it's 355, like, um, isn't it? 335. So you had the 540, right? I had the 540i X Drive. So yeah. that's a hybrid too, right? No. Yes, mild, exactly. Mild no, the, so 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 this one had this one has the um the 48 volt mild hybrid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So which was I think Dan was thinking of the plug-in. That's the 540i. No, 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 right. Yeah, no, I didn't have oh, the 540i. Right, no. Yeah. no, I had the eBoost 48 volt mild hybrid, which actually made that the stop start really transparent nice and smooth right and super smooth and larry you know he's he's not a huge fan of some of the different hybrids that he he before covid he used to rent he used to travel even more than i did sometimes and rents a bunch of different cars all the time and is not a fan of stop start and so i deliberately didn't tell him i was like you know we were at a traffic light and i knew the car was in stop start and he didn't feel it at all and then when we accelerated out i told him i said you know that was just a good example of how much better stop start has gotten. And he didn't even realize it. And so, you know, from that standpoint, they've done a really, really nice job with it overall, you know, gorgeous interior. I mean, just a really warm, it had this chocolate brown interior, which I absolutely love. That's, that's hard to dislike. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, right. It really is. It's just so pretty. So which shade um, of white, black, or gray did it have on the exterior? It had white. It had white. <laughs> Alpine no, white. seriously, I'm looking at the colors. So it's you can get <laughs> there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's nine colors. Uh Alpine white, uh Bernina gray. So so gray. Uh bluestone metallic, so that's bluish gray. Uh phytonic blue metallic. So that's blue. Okay, so you can get blue. Um mineral white, so another white. Yeah, uh, let me see if it was dark mineral graphite, white or so regular white. It doesn't gray. say um, Silver. Does it, it doesn't really black. matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Metallic black. Like, well, guys. It's funny. So a friend of mine who used to work at BMW, who was transferred over to Germany, and this was um, probably more than 10 years ago now, and he ordered his company car and he gets to uh, the gets to Munich and sees the parking lot and his colleagues just like <laughs> glanced at him askance because, yes, 
his was the only red car in the entire <laughs> parking lot. Oh, but I mean, well, at least you can find it. Yeah, yeah very easily. Was he I mean, also black. Italian? Like- imagine trying trying to find your car in you know in, in a in a field of, you know a thousand you know monochromatic five series. You know. Exactly. Life is too short to be a chromophobe. Like, just. You put some put some pigment on that thing. <laughs> but no, it it was really it was a joy to drive. And, you know, one of the things that sometimes with some of the cars now, I feel like there's not that emotional connection. You know, I've, I've struggled with some of the Lexus that I've had, which is very much a first world problem, I realize. Um, but there isn't that there isn't that emotional connection. And there definitely was with this BMW. Uh, it was also very handy because the the middle in the, in the back seat, the, the middle compartment goes down. And so we actually had to go to Home Depot and get a piece of lumber for some work that my brother's doing here. And it worked. It was great. We actually slid like an eight foot piece of lumber through that thing. It's designed for skis, but you know, yes, exactly. But you know, lumber skis four, a couple of two by fours yeah. would work just fine. Right. Skis just, had been made out of lumber you know, back in the day. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so no, I think, you know, I, I think the BMW has certainly they've had some struggles over the last couple of years, uh, you know, with the resurgence of Audi uh, in particular and really Mercedes Benz. You know, I remember when I moved back from Saudi in 2015, uh, BMW was you know, what I had left in 2013, they were really doing very well. And when I came back in 15, Mercedes was the one that had really grown the most in terms of, of excitement for product and an interesting product. And now, but I think that, you know, BMW uh, has started to find its way maybe a little bit, but again, I, I, I will say I am concerned about that grill because that's not okay. BMW seems to have this, sort of love-hate relationship with legacy that it's built for itself. Mm. The cars are getting less and less driver-centric and more and more techno-centric. And it's, they're, I, I think they're making the moves that the the customers ultimately want. It's just, as a enthusiast, it's it's hard to 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 understand it sometimes when they had been sort of our benchmark. And I don't know that they are really our performance benchmark anymore. I think that um, maybe not the five, but certainly the three, I kind of shrug a bit about it. You know, it's, it's still a BMW. It's going to do the BMW stuff, but it's not necessarily the car I would pick if I was looking for a thrilling drive anymore. And, And I think that says something. Well, I think that, you know, this is very much a demographic issue and challenge for them because I, 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 15 years ago when I bought my place in Boston, I remember I, I had a BMW, a lot of the people in the, in the, you know, in their parking lot, we either had BMWs or Audis. And then this kid moved up from Atlanta and he had a Mercedes. And I remember he said to me, he's like, why doesn't anyone have a Mercedes? I'm like, because those are old people cars. That's, <laughs> like, well, that's true. They you are. Know? But I think and, that's and this shifting. was, again, 15 years ago. I bought the place yeah. in 2006. So I, uh, but, you know, at that time I had, I had three BMWs uh, all, all in a row. I had two X3s and then an X5, which was way too big. But they were fun. They were exciting. There wasn't a single Mercedes I even considered buying. And Audi was resurgent because none of our baby boomer parents had them or siblings 
had them because they had alienated them with the unintended acceleration issue, you know, way back in, what was that yeah. in the eighties? It was like 80, yeah, 80, 84, yeah. 85. Thanks. So Thanks, this was, Dateline. so this was very 60 minutes. <laughs> 60 but this minutes, was very yeah. much, was 60 minutes, yeah. yes, this was very much a you know, BMW was and and Audi were brands that our parents didn't drive and we could make our luxury brand. And so but the problem then is that I think Audi in particular, I remember giving a presentation in Germany and telling BMW, you have got to watch out for Audi because demographically in the U.S., that's what people under 30 wanted. And then, you know, and, and it, it really proved to be true. Their styling came out. They changed, you know, they changed their proportions. Right. They went to. Is it transverse? I can never remember what. No, what they're engine. still longitudinal uh, engines, but they they move. It used to be, you know, in the up until the the late nineties or early two thousands, the engines hung out in front of the front axle, so you had this oh, long right. hood, okay, long so front overhang. Yeah, right. so they they moved the engine back. Uh, okay. So it's it's more like a traditional vehicle. And that was like a billion dollar investment to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not a small feat. But so then it became their proportions became better looking and such. So so, you know, with all that said, I think, you know, this five series was just an absolute delight to drive. I really, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, and, and as well, I should, I mean, I think, I don't know if I gave the price point, it starts at 61, seven. Uh, and then the one that I had was almost 78,000. It did have the M package. It had the dynamic handling package driver assist, which actually was very non-intrusive, which I liked. Um, the premium pack, remote engine start, heated front seats, the heads up display. One of the things that I loved in this and the infotainment system in the infotainment, the, um, the backup cameras and the parking assist, when you are in the parking assist mode, it, the, the graphic shows when you open the doors. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I have a couple of pictures of it. I can, we can put in the show notes, but I loved that because then when you're, you know, pulling in, you can see exactly how wide your door can swing. And just as a side note to go talk about the Pacifica, I've said this before, if you need to pick a place to park next to, if you need to pick a car to park next to, pick a minivan, because then yep. your only chances of having one door hit your car as opposed to two doors hit your car. <laughs> I try to park far away and then walk and then in, invariably some schmuck parks next to me. It's like, what, well, that's because the they, spaces in this parking be, lot. Yes, they do that on purpose. <laughs> So that's why. So that's what I drove, and it was absolutely delightful. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting um, to see what the market response is to BMW's new EVs when they start launching next year with the iX, which we've talked about before, and the i4, uh, yep. which is their electric sedan. And I just dropped a link um, in the in our chat uh, so you can see what that looks like. You know, and that's you know I, I'm guessing like somewhere between a four and five series today uh, sedan that is going to be all electric. Uh, and I wonder if we'll start to get back some of that, any of that traditional BMW performance character into car, especially the i4, um, you know, to see what they, what they can achieve with that as they go electric. Um, because, you know, that's clearly, you know, you're losing the, the powertrain, which has always been a, an important part of BMW, and mm. obviously it's their middle name, but right. yeah. uh, in a going going to electric, you know, and going up 
you know, more directly against brands like Tesla uh, and Lucid and, and uh, many, you know, many of the others that are coming out. Uh, this is 2021 and beyond is going to be a very interesting time to watch. It will For be. For so um, many reasons. Yeah. I mean, as <laughs> what's interesting about what's coming out in 2021 is that this is the emergence of those, uh, some of those newer brands versus legacy brands. So you've got Rivian coming out, uh, Lucid, Fisker. You know, it'll be really interesting to see what emerges uh, as the year unfolds from new upstarts and from the legacy brands. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There's not a whole, we're in that, uh, I think the term is interregnum, right? <laughs> There's just uh, in between years now, everybody sort of had the the end of year holiday uh, sort of furlough. And then we're back at the first week of the year. Nothing has happened yet. Yeah. And in, 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 in the old days, you know, this would have been the year when we've got all kinds of stories in our pocket um, of embargoed <sighs> news for the Detroit Auto Show that we can't Very talk about. Yet. You know, stuff we've been briefed on over the last couple of weeks of the year that we can't talk about until the auto show starts, except now the auto show is going to be in September. Uh, if, and yeah, if it happens. scheduled for yeah. September. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, the first the first auto show I think we've got scheduled now is uh, New York in May, I think. Or, or is it L.A.? L.A. There? I think Actually, it's I think L.A. L.A. I think LA in May. New York's going to be in August. Uh, I don't know when the Chicago show is going to be. It's not going to be in February. Um, so, you know, and then the, the only other thing we've got is CES, you know, which is a, a week away, you know, maybe next week we might be able to start talking about some of that prop, probably not. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no news basically is yeah. what I'm saying. Right. So, so and we don't have year end results yet either because yeah. we're keeping this too soon. Right. So, too so early in the year. What, were, what were some of your highs and lows uh, automotively speaking uh, of, of the past year? Dan, yeah. why don't you go first to follow our garage? All right, I'll go first. So, I mean, I really loved the amount of trucks I got to drive this year. I drove more pickups this year than I did, I think, in the, the previous couple of years. It was, for whatever reason, and I think this was almost a, a media loan sort of fleet-wide thing. Everybody got a lot of trucks. Truck sales went through the roof <laughs> uh, this this year once auto sales kind of recovered a bit from the spring. And uh, it was... It was great because they do sell in such big numbers. They're such versatile vehicles. They're so popular. I got to 
to drive basically everything Ford makes. I drove um, Rams and and uh, Chevys, and and I really I liked that quite a bit. Uh, but I don't know that. While I loved all the trucks, and I certainly have my favorite, um, I don't think that's the favorite thing I drove all year. Um, but I, I will say my my favorite truck was the Silverado. I liked that quite a bit. Um, and I had and I had the why was that? Uh, it's, it's quiet and smooth and refined. Um, I like the way it looks. I, I like the way it goes down the road. I like the, you know, the seating position. Um, people talk about the, the interior quality and the GM's lagging. I don't know that it's any worse than, uh, you know, like Ford. It's definitely better than what I've seen in the Tundra. Um, the, I haven't had a Titan in a while. Um, the Ram is certainly the king of... <laughs> interior quality uh but it was it was it wasn't offensive to me you know it was comfortable and and um everything worked nicely it just it was it really good to drive even with the the uh, trail boss package it has the knobbier tires and um i managed to actually squeeze 20 miles per gallon out of that thing on the highway wow. um, with yeah uh, well, with, with which engine was that the 5.3 or the 5.3 yeah okay yeah um, but you know, it's got the, the raised suspension and the knobby tires, which don't do you any favors. Um, I was definitely trying, but, uh, mm. you know, the fact that you can do that when there's nobody else on the road, cause everybody's in <laughs> pandemic lockdown, <laughs> um, it helps. Uh, but the, the favorite thing I drove was actually another Chevrolet, the, the bolt. I finally got a chance to spend a week with the bolt and I just was really, really fascinated by it. And so impressed with how, just how much of a total package it is it just it really fits everybody's needs i think there's the cars are there the hardware is there and now we've got to get people over that emotional hump um like you were saying rebecca of your your former college uh pal who doesn't you know has has some range anxiety doesn't think that the average family can can do whatever on on x amount of range and this had you know 250 miles of range charging wasn't really a huge deal um Part of what you do, I found myself thinking about range a little bit more and and just planning my trips, which it, it sounds like it's extra effort, but it, it's not really. And it's almost like you you start to think in a more efficient way. You start to think in a way to maximize your efficiency, which we probably should do anyway, even with, uh, you know, gasoline vehicles. That's been one of the things that that people talk about to boost efficiency is plan your trips almost like be your own logistics manager. <laughs> and so you, you think about plan your route. So you're not making multiple side trips and, and being inefficient and you try to get it all done at once. Uh, and you do that really naturally with an EV because your range is a little bit more limited. Um, and some, don't the, some of the apps kind of try and help with that? Like I would love to have that sort of, I remember walking around CES and kind of thinking this way of like, you know, on a Saturday, like, like analyzing your driving patterns to say, okay, you know what, typically on a Saturday you go, let's just make that, but you go to the bank, you go to the post office and you go to the grocery store and maybe you pick up a kid from something and, you know, saying, okay, if you do it in this order, that's the most efficient. You know what I mean? I think that there's yeah, opportunities yeah. Most, most, for that. Most manufacturers are, you know, Certainly in terms of your routing, you know, they're they're developing eco routing systems, you know, that for any given day, you know, will, you know, will find them, you know, for any given trip, will find the most efficient route for that trip. 
But um, even scheduling, right. you know what I mean? And like that's that's a little more challenging, you know, because yeah. obviously they've got to look at your prior patterns and and habits, and you know, I think uh, a lot of people are going to have privacy concerns around that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, if you have it, if it's you know your own account, your own yeah. You know, it's not no, something that's and, publicly. And I, I, I think I think that's that's something we will see more of. You know, and manufacturers are looking at how to do that, how to implement that in a way that uh, you know they can do it locally. You know, and right. and you know keep your information pri- as private as possible. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right though. I think it'll definitely come through the apps. Um, you know, like BMW and Volvo are pretty attuned to that, where the app extends the the usefulness of the the car extends the integration of the car into your life the car actually becomes almost an app of its own uh, where it will do those things it will you know because it needs inputs too it needs to pay attention to traffic Uh, so it it can say hey your normal commute at x time you may want to leave a little early or there's there's a traffic problem yeah exactly so uh and yeah all that's Volvo is going to be interesting to watch because they, you know, they're shifting to their new infotainment system that's also based on Android Automotive. And unlike Chrysler, you know, which has chosen not to use uh, the Google mm-hmm. Automotive services, um, Volvo and, and Polestar are using that. So their base navigation system is Google Maps. And, uh, you know, and, and they're going to have Google Assistant in there. And if you have, you know, location history turned on in Google Maps and your Google Maps mm-hmm. account, you know, it, like uh, for me, you know, when I use Android Auto, uh, you know, and I, I get in the vehicle, you know, it knows where I am, you know, based on the time of day. It knows it, it can make a it can actually make a pretty good guess where I'm likely to go, where I'm likely mm-hmm. to want to go uh, based on my past history. And, you know, the first two options, you know, on destinations are, you know, very often, you know, the places where I might want to go to. I don't necessarily need navigation information to that. But when you put that into an EV, you know, that starts to get you to what you were just talking about, Rebecca. And I think, you know, as we start to see more manufacturers deploying um, Android Automotive as their, their operating system with uh, with the Google Automotive services, I think that's where we will start to see some of that start to be deployed. Yeah, I, I just think, I don't like any of that. <laughs> and and I and I totally respect that because I've yeah. I've I understand I have plenty of friends that are you know far more concerned about privacy than efficiency. Uh, so I I I respect that. And I remember actually I think it was the Toyota Camry that I had that actually uh, showed the breadcrumbs on the route that I had driven, which I thought was really really clever. Yeah. And it was it was frustrating though too because i remember i went to the local my closest post office they were out for lunch uh literally and figuratively and so then i had to turn around and drive back up to another post office and the actually passing my house again and then going back and it was when i got home i looked at that route and i was like wow i knew it was inefficient as it was happening but to have the visual of it as well was really fascinating and raised my awareness of you know saying okay I need to run these errands. What is the most efficient route factoring in traffic, factoring in all these different inputs that you have opportunities to, you know, I, I got a tweet just this morning uh, saying that this road up the street from me is closed because there was a car accident. Thankfully nobody was injured, but that road is closed, which it 
there's no other reason for it to be closed. Um, and I wouldn't know other than this tweet unless I go on ways to say, hey, I, you know, I, it happens to be on the route to my mom's house. But as Sam said, like, I don't need navigation to my mother's house, obviously. Yeah, like, yeah. But I need that input for sure, because then I would alternate my route and go a different way. So those are the kinds and of And if things. your battery's not charged, you know, then it can also say, hey, you know, this, if this is where you want to go, you should probably stop here to you know grab some juice. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that there's, you know, there's unfortunately, there's an element of of privacy. We need to, first of all, increase the privacy, increase the layers of privacy. Um, but there is always that little bit of sacrifice that you may have to give. You know, I know people that don't put on Google locations because it freaks them out and I don't blame them. You know, it is kind of it's super creepy to see sometimes. Well, I think, yeah, for me, the issue is um, the convenience doesn't trump the, the sort of black box of I don't know what other data you're, they're getting and what they're doing. And I I, yeah. I know enough of what they're doing <laughs> with it that I just I, I don't want to participate in that in, any more than I have to. But efficiency is still a concern. So you wind up doing it manually and you may not be as good as, as the, you know, the app at routing yeah. yourself. But Right. And for me, I... You know, I feel like I like the idea of, well, there's pros and cons, right? Because we've right. talked about like how, you know, you'll talk to somebody about a product and then the next thing you know, your phone is just absolutely barraged by, uh, you know, by ads for that product. And it's like, I just mentioned it. I didn't say that I wanted to buy it and it's just creepy anyway. Um, but I also sort of am interested in the idea of, of, the person whose name I can't say because it will activate her, but A-L-E-X-A, <laughs> um, you know, saying, hey, I've, you know, I see you've got, you know, five different errands or five different appointments on your calendar. Would you like the most efficient route? You know, that that kind of stuff. You know, like I think about my niece and, you know, her different activities and, you know, it, it, it's just I, I think there's just opportunities there to manage EV range until it is no longer a concern, which is when it will be refueling it, quote unquote, refueling your EV is as seamless and convenient as refueling your internal combustion engine. Yeah. And and I think that what I was really impressed by the Bolt was how, um, how it just blends in. Like, and that's not to say that it, it doesn't uh, it, it it doesn't have sort of any any kind of like verve or anything. It's not it's not a bland car, right. but it blends into your life uh, really easily. Where I think people still think that going to an EV is it requires a level of sacrifice, and it really doesn't. Um, you've got 250 miles of range. That's that's plenty for a round trip commute. Even for me, when I was commuting to the office, where I was doing 90 or 100 miles per day round trip. Wow. Uh, it would have been fine. You know, I had another a hundred something miles of range or, you know, in the winter, <laughs> um, I'm sure that would have gotten cut in half, uh, running heat and stuff, but it, it like, it just works like a normal car and it drives really, really well. Uh, it was a little loud ish, but you know, that's part of what the, the class is, but I really liked the instrumentation, the, the controls, the, the fact that it just, felt really easy to make that transition from a gas car to an EV and have it just feel familiar. That's yeah. really important because not everybody's going to 
to do well with that transition from a regular car to something you know like like the teslas where everything is touchscreen and it's it's a lot more sort of a, a technophiles uh, environment in there um it, it, that can be confusing as well uh so i'm glad that we have options that are affordable charging is easy it had the charge port card which uh, you know just rfid to to different chargers and it plugs in you know can do level two um no problem so i i liked it quite a bit uh it was mostly also an a introduction to using it for that, like, you know, to, to how do you get over that range anxiety? Like just the experience of needing to charge it fast. And I, I only have one ten at the house, so I had to go to the commuter rail station, use the level two chargers. So that's what it would be like if I needed to take a road trip, which is always sort of the hypothetical that people use to shoot down getting an EV. It's not really a big deal. Like, you're on the whole you're paying less for energy to put into it um when you especially if you charge at home and when you're out you have to understand you're probably going to need to pay for the parking space plus the electricity so there's a little bit you know it winds up not being as cheap as you might think but it's also not terribly expensive well it should um, be free gas isn't free right exactly yeah, I mean, the, the energy's got to come from somewhere right Right. And and then, like that's kind of the the sort of the the fallacy that and like it needs to do everything a gas car can in any situation at all times and be a complete silver bullet for everybody always. Right. Before it can be viable. And that's such nonsense. Like it it really it does work for probably at least 60% of of people. Well, when the Chevy Volt came out, didn't they say that that like 50 just yeah. under 50 miles of range was covering like 76% of commutes. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, round trip commutes. Seven, 70, 75%, yeah. 75% of Americans tr- daily driving is less than 40 miles. Yeah. Right. And, and so going forward too, like, I think that we're going to see a big shift where uh, right now miles driven are so, so much lower than they were last year. Um, and it's, there's, there's going to be a, a reluctance to go back back to driving lots and lots of miles in gridlock if we don't have to it makes no sense for me to just commute and go sit in an office yeah somewhere. i mean that's very much an individual situation depending yeah. upon your job and a whole variety of things but yeah yeah it'll so, be i mean we're still coming out 2021 will be the year that everyone kind of figures out where do they work yeah, yeah. um but you know if you look at the american population you know the, the american workforce more than half of the U.S. workforce, you know, previously worked in some sort of office or, you know, service job uh, that, you know, did not necessarily require physical presence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a substantial portion of those going forward are not going to return to certainly not to daily commuting. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to end up in some sort of hybrid situation where they maybe go to a a, a job site, you know, uh, one, you know, once or twice a week, uh, and, you know, work remotely the rest of the time. Yeah. yeah it'll be, it'll be interesting. Cause the, the, the people that I've spoken to about this issue, and obviously I'm job hunting. And so it is a constant issue that comes up. Um, I do find that the more, the most senior people, whether it's a CEO or, you know, a second in command at a high level SVP, 
they tend to want people in the office. <laughs> yeah, I think some of it is, is perception and generational where there's this idea that you don't do your best work unless you're in the office. And um, as a creative, I don't, I don't know that that's true. You know, creative tends to be one of those things where we all work a little differently. Right. And, and um, you know, I, I trend more introverted. So I actually, I don't feed off people. Like I, that makes me tired. I need to, to be alone in my workshop a bit before I'm am collaborating. You know, it's certainly it's, it's just, you just have to know your, your sort of the, how you get into, to your abilities. And so, you know, it's much more productive for, for me to have that alone time mm. before I'm then opening it up to collaboration, which is a necessary part of it, but it just, it, you can't start cold with with a blank sheet and like 10 people and and like for me that's that's really difficult so well but th that's also one of the one of the biggest challenges is integrating new people into yeah. your corporate culture that existed before and now oh yeah your corporate culture that existed before is not it's not well, making it, a return right <laughs> and that's not in many cases yeah. right exactly and so you know, that's going to be a, a very difficult, you know, again, like that's, I think, I think there's pros and cons to in office environment, but learning how somebody works, you know, and I may have told the story, I know I've told the story before, but like when I went to work at Kelly Blue Book, I was the only remote employee. They had no facilities with which I could interact with people. They didn't use Slack. They, everything was literally like, like analog at the Irvine office. Wow. And it was very, very difficult. Unless I, I was physically there, it was very difficult to build relationships. And I, yeah. and I, and in many cases, um, they ended up the first few, first few months were fine. I spent two weeks of the, of the month out there. And then there was a travel cut and they were like, you know, your trips out here are expensive. And so I wasn't <laughs> able to take the advice that was given to me, which was spend as much time out there as possible. And, you know, those relationships that I made, you know, were both, I mean, some of them have still survived, but, but a lot of them haven't, and they certainly didn't thrive. And so that's, you know, as the new person coming in, that is an enormous challenge is, building trust, building friendships, building those, let's grab, you know, let's go out for lunch. Let's get drinks afterwards. Those things that build those relationships are going to be really challenging. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. I see, and it's funny because like I, and I, this has probably hurt me throughout my career. I, I, um, I don't, tend to do that like hey let's go out for for drinks after i'll do the lunch thing from time to time but the the thing that i think has really facilitated those work relationships over the years has been stuff like slack or email or other sort of chat platforms like I, for autoblog we were all over the place and and you know those are relationships that you know I, i'm still talking to those people Sure. I mean, well, I mean, Sam's on the show. Yeah, well, you and I have never met Dan in person. Um, right. Uh, so it's it's <laughs> if you're not going to do any of those things, though, yeah, it's going to be really hard if you're not going to use those tools that are available. So um, we're completely off. I know. I know. So <laughs> I have to. Well, and to get us back on track, I will tell you that one of my favorite vehicles, I'm, and this is not to 
supersede, but it was the, the Hyundai Kona EV. And a yeah. lot of what you talked about, that normalization of the EV powertrain, it is a powertrain choice as opposed, it's just an option. It's, it's, it's simply a powertrain option. So, you know, it's, you it's can like get, choosing between a four cylinder or six cylinder exactly. or diesel. Now you have one more. You have one more. And everything and I, else is the same. Everything else is the same. And I actually, I, I remember talking about this a couple weeks ago on the show. I far preferred the Kona EV to the Ionic. The Ionic felt like I was sacrificing the Kona EV. I could have driven that thing. I mean, I was sad to see that go. Uh, and, and I really, really enjoyed that. I didn't feel, it's been a couple of years since I was in the Chevy Bolt. I felt like that. I didn't have quite the same warm fuzzies as you had with it. I felt <laughs> like there was some compromises going on there. Um, but, you know, again, that was a couple of years ago. I'd love to get into one again and see how I feel now. But I just that Hyundai Kona EV was was really, really fantastic and echoed a lot of what you said about the Chevy Bolt. Yeah, well, and I think the the compromises are certainly there and visible. And I think that may be um, what charmed me a bit because you mm. can see the, the solutions being worked out, you know, because with an EV, every ounce matters. Right. Um, so some of the, the ways they kept weight out of the vehicle, like the, the little um, cover for the cargo and stuff, it was really wispy and, and mm. light. It was like a piece of fabric and a couple of bows and stuff. Really, really <laughs> light versus a, like, you know, normally it's not all that heavy either. It's a, like a piece of molded, um, you know, fiberboard or something. Uh, but just little details like that to, to really see how they, they took it seriously and they changed some practices to, to bring it to market and make it really, you know, competitive. It was, and it was well put together and, and just well thought out. So that impressed me quite a bit. Um, well, and similarly, you know, I made a point of in the Kona EV heated and ventilated seats because yeah. then you have to cut, you don't have to use HVAC nearly as much. And I do remember in the Chevy Volt, it had heated seats. And one of the main reasons was so that, you know, in those cold, frigid mornings, you can just put on your heated seats and you don't have to demand so much from your HVAC. It takes a lot less energy when yeah. you have a heated seat that's in direct contact with your body to keep you at a comfortable temperature than it does to heat the entire and you know what's going to make that transfer of heat more efficient is if you get the insulation layers out of the way so you should just drive in like a you know the least amount of clothing possible so you get that direct Speaking of my neighbor <laughs> I, I, so i don't know but you guys may have seen my expression my my 20 something year old neighbor walked by i could see her out my office window this morning and it's like 32 degrees out in bare feet in capri length so just below the knee uh pants and a t-shirt like almost like with tiny cap sleeves this chick is unusual but that was bizarro i mean i, I think she's going to the, get the, other the day mail, when i was walking daisy but I, bare feet <laughs> the, the other day when i was walking daisy I, I saw you know there was somebody in the neighborhood that was jumping rope in his driveway in t-shirt shorts and he did Listen, have shoes but, on but 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 jumping rope, jumping rope I mean, generates she's heat. going to get the mail bare feet it, hey. and they have a gravel driveway like there's Ooh. nothing that made sense about that situation. I, have, I just I, saw. I don't do the bare feet. I do the yeah. I'm, I have delicate little feet. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, so that was my my favorite. Um, okay. And and you know we didn't drive. I'm sure you'll agree we didn't drive anything outright bad. I don't think I've been in an outright bad car 
in a, a long time. Uh, you yeah. know, even the Mitsubishi Mirage, which I think it's pointed at as a as a terrible car. Uh, it's a terrible solution for our market, but it's not a terrible car. Mm. Um, it's just not a good fit. Uh, so the my least favorite this year, I think, was probably the uh, the Subaru Outback and, and Legacy. And again, why? Not because they're why? bad cars, but they have that new infotainment system that I just. I hate it. <laughs> I have the I have the Crosstrek in my driveway right now. So you probably have the Crosstrek Sport with the the new two point five liter engine. Um, that was delightful. That had okay. the one I just had uh, a couple weeks ago had the older Starlink infotainment, but the the Legacy and Outback have that large portrait oriented screen, almost like um, they're trying to to have their own version of Census and just. The the colors and the icons and the cho- the functional choices it's it's very it's it's hard to find what you're looking for especially at a glance the touch targets are small it times back out so it doesn't stay on the screen if you mm. want it to stay there it, it goes back to the de- the default all the time um, it's just it's confusing and it's slow you know it's not sometimes it's not super responsive. So I just, I couldn't get past not liking it. <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I respect that. I mean, I didn't have that same repellent feel. I went on the launch of the Outback. Um, I have not had one at home here. And as I have learned, that can be a big difference. Spending a week with something versus, you know, going on the launch and spending a week with the infotainment system in particular yeah can be a very different experience yeah and, and like it's great otherwise i mean the subaru makes a pretty pretty great recipe um in different sizes you know they've they found their their niche and they've really been successful with it their sales keep going up uh, although this year mm. but yeah well uh, yeah but this year's different but they yeah don't have i mean full-size pickups right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think and, and you're absolutely right. I do have a different one. But just looking at my review, I mean, for me, the Outback, it supported the Android Auto, Apple CarPlay. So I didn't tend to have as many of those issues, but I also only used it for a day or day and a half. And a lot of times we don't even turn on the radio. We don't interact with it. Um, you know, the navigation is built in or, they, or they've, you know, they've programmed the navigation for us. So on a drive, um, when we're on a media drive, it's very different than having something at home, you know, dropped in our driveway and here you go figure yeah. it out. That's why a lot of times I think our interaction um, at a media launch it can be quite different than when we actually have it at home. Yeah, well, and I think, too, uh, spending more than a week with it might soften some of that impression. Sure. You know, I might get more used to it. It did. I did use CarPlay with it, but I just it felt like, like navigating around between the different features and, and the way it, it worked, even with CarPlay, was not the smoothest. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it's a great car. though. Like, this is the thing. Like, it's it's just it was my least favorite, which doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that I liked it the least of all the things that that I drove. So. Somebody else's turn. You two duke it out. Figure out who's going yeah, next. No, well, and, <laughs> Sam, and Sam, if you don't mind, I'll go only because I had a very similar experience. So I think, you know, as as you do, I we drove a lot of really great cars and it's so hard to pick favorites. I mean, from a from a cost is no object standpoint. I'm going to have to go with Aston Martin DB11 because that's just stupid not to. <laughs> that's an option. <laughs> 
So, right. so I'm going to go with that one um, as, as, you know, easily one of my favorite cars of, of the year on a more reasonable level though, you know, I've got to give credit to Genesis because the GV80 that I got a chance to drive again, only for a day, not even a full day, but that was just that they, what they've done with that vehicle and at the price point, you know, that they've done, and we talked about this, uh, it was just really, really impressive. It's an incredibly competitive segment, that midsize luxury, um, you know, five to seven seat. But I just think they've done a, a beautiful exterior wise. You know, we, we spent far too much time probably bitching about how ugly the BMW grill is. Uh, Genesis is just gorgeous. I think that they've done an incredible job with that vehicle. I hope more people will get a chance to to drive it, to give that brand an opportunity because, looking across at all the Genesis that I drove, you know, the G90 was kind of a little staid, but they've just done an incredible job, even, you know, with their sedans and with their SUV. So I think from a, both a, a brand and overall, I think that GV80 was definitely a highlight for me. I'm on a, I also, you know, on kind of from a different price point, the Hyundai Sonata, both the hybrid and the non-hybrid were also real standouts for me. I think the the Sonata hybrid, it just did so many really good things. The styling is really sharp on it. The price, $36,000 was really, really good. I it just it was it was a delight to drive. And it, you know, as a sedan, I, you know, it, it just it it was comfortable. It was engaging i i just it just did again it did a lot of things really really well so that was another highlight for me um and then i i there's so many more <laughs> that i could pick from um, yeah, we we love all the cars please keep yeah. sending them to us <laughs> yes no it's well, I, true <laughs> I, I i i do agree with you wholeheartedly rebecca on on both the the genesis uh, the gv80 as well as the g80 sedan which is you know basically just the lowrider version of the gv80 uh and the sonata you know all excellent vehicles yeah, they really were. So then on the other end of the spectrum, and this is why I wanted, I kind of forced my way in to go next. Um, it was that Mazda CX-9. And I know I talked about it on the show. And and then I, you know, conversing with Mazda further, that the lack of being able to use the, uh, the built-in or the native language capabilities when you have android auto or apple carplay activated i just had never encountered that before and i and i don't i don't know of another manufacturer with that you know we've got three options to interact with an infotainment system you've got touch you've got voice and you've got like dial control and they've taken away touch and they took away voice and i just don't i don't understand that i don't understand that why how that was a good safe decision. Uh, and I kind of just struggled with Mazda overall, the styling of it. I had in the CX-9, I did have a hard time getting comfortable in the vehicle because of how I have to sit, you know, quite high and forward. The roof line, the, the A-pillar you know, with the windshield is sloped so rakishly that 
I've had issues with that. And it's frustrating because they are such great vehicles. Uh, you know, the interiors are beautiful. There's, they're fun to drive. They're engaging. There's, you know, Sam and I had gone, I think we drove together on the CX-30 launch. There was, there's such good things about it. Did we drive together on that one? No, you were, you were no. on the next wave. We, we, oh, that's we right. We saw paths. each. Uh, yes, that's right. I was, I was with Stephanie Brindley. Oh, that's right. I was with Alan Taylor. Um, Alan Taylor. Alan, Ta- Alan Taylor. Right. I love that guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, again, there was a lot of good, good things about the Mazda lineup this year. But I, I just, I'm struggling with that infotainment system. And it's so hard to, to say to somebody, you know, yeah, I think this would be a great, a great experience when you can't change the radio station unless you pull over, (laughs) unless it's in your presets, you do have to, you know, so when you purchase this vehicle, if you choose to to purchase a Mazda with this new infotainment system, you will have to spend a considerable amount of time putting in precepts and presets and anticipate which presets you want, because that's really the only way that you're going to be able to change the station and and to interact with it. I did try, you know, since this experience, I've tried to use Google Assistant more. And actually in the Subaru that I have this week, the Crosstrack has been a great experience with that. So I've been able to use that a little bit more. But yeah, I just, I, I struggled with visibility and I struggled with the infotainment system on the Mazda. I did not struggle with the performance. So as a car, it's great. It's just, you know, those those were my issues with it. And and those are you know, absolutely legitimate, especially, you know, the, the ergonomic issues. You know, and this, this is why we've talked in the past about, you know, the importance of before you buy any particular vehicle, mm-hmm. make sure you test drive it. Spend some time in it, you know, get in and out of it several times. You know, make sure that it's comfortable for you to get in and out of. Make sure that you can see out of it adequately you know with with whatever seating position you're in you know last week we had the question about you know um you know the mach e uh mm-hmm. you know hitting your knee on the the bottom corner of the, the screen you know based on however you happen to sit however you have you know whatever your preferred seating position is make sure that vehicle works for you and if it doesn't you know don't buy it yeah exactly. no, no i mean seriously no matter how good it may look on the outside if it doesn't fit you right, do not yeah. buy it because, you know, if it if it doesn't fit you right in that first 20 minutes, half an hour of a test drive, it sure as hell isn't going to fit you right two years, three years, four years down the road. Yeah, it's, it's, not, just it's gonna, not something that gets better. Yeah, it's it just isn't. going to annoy you. So make sure you try that stuff out when you're when you're considering a vehicle to purchase. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, that test drive is your time. It is not the dealer's time. Mm -hmm. It is your time. And I've seen people spend more time picking out a pair of shoes, which I understand and appreciate full extent. But they spend more time walking around, you know, the Nordstrom shoe department in in a pair of heels than they have picking out their car. And so, you know, and dealer pressure is a real thing. And that's actually one benefit, you know, getting at home delivery and, you know, trying out a test drive at home is a benefit, I think, of COVID. So use that time wisely. It is your time. It is your responsibility and your right to to 
test that vehicle out the way that you're going to use it, drive it on the highway, drive it on, drive it on your route as much as possible. So the other shout out I have to give, and not only just because I own my little cute little Coco is the Buick Encore GX for $25,000. I tested the $34,000 version of it, but this car was so good. It was such a great size. It just did a lot of things really, really well. It didn't have ventilated seats and I complained to them about that, but that was another car that when I look at my review, I think, yeah, you know what? I just like that one. So that's my final one. <laughs> cool. All right. Any low lights? The oh, I guess, well, you talked about the Mazda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, but otherwise, like Dan said, there's, it's, it's hard. The, the, there aren't a lot of bad cars out there. You have got to go and look for them. Um, but there may be a car that's not as good for you. And that's the, that's the most important thing in my mind. Yeah. I mean, almost everything out there is good for somebody, somebody, right. Not, but not necessarily for everyone. Exactly. In fact, I would, I would say that there's nothing out there that is the perfect vehicle for everyone. Um, And that's, that's why we have variety. You know, that's why we have, you know, hundreds of different nameplates out there, you know, and different form factors. So you can find whatever is the right fit for you. And it's also, you know, it's when people ask me, what's the best car? I'm like, it depends. Yeah. It depends on what you, who you are and what you do with that car and what is going to suit one person may be wholly unsuitable for somebody else. So, you know, I don't prevaricate deliberately on that question, but it really just does depend. It depends on what, who you are, what your lifestyle is and what the demands you're expecting from that vehicle. You know, I got that Buick Encore because my mom could get in and out of that thing the easiest of any vehicle that I had. And at that at that point in time, five, six years ago, that was the number one priority for me was can my mom get in and out of it? And, you know, it's so you've got those kinds of demands, uh, you know, on your lifestyle. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> so uh, were yours. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, my three favorites of the year were, you know, the new Corvette, the, 20, yeah. the 2020 C8 Corvette, which you know, for what it is, you know, is a combination of amazing performance and the best possible value for this kind of car, you know, for a mid-engine two-seat supercar. You know, that you can get for, a, you know, starting around $60,000. You know, it's it's unbelievable how good a car this is. It uh, really is. It's 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 amazing. You know, and like like we just said, you know, it's certainly not the car for everybody. But if you are interested in a high performance sports car that looks great, sounds great, drives great, um, you know, this is absolutely something you should be considering, you know, assuming it fits your budget, you know, and, and again, for a lot of people, you know, they can't afford a $60,000 car, but you know, if you're considering something like an Audi R8 or a Lamborghini Huracan or an Audi NS or Acura NSX, you know, this, this is a, a car that you should, or even, you know, things like a McLaren, you absolutely need to take a look at the Corvette and, and or, test drive. Or one. A, yeah. Or a super duty pickup 
Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you it's, know, I mean, it, I mean, seriously, it, the trick it, in my driveway is sixty-three thousand dollars. So yeah, there you go. But it's you know, I mean, if you if your needs include a pickup truck as opposed to, uh, you know, as opposed to a sports car, you know, then the then you need bed. to get your priorities in order. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, exactly. but but you're right, Sam. I mean, the one that I test drove on the launch was eighty-five thousand dollars, and it was easily as good, if not better, than the than the Acura MDX. I'm already I'm, NSX. I'm about? The NSX. Thank you. You know, which is much more yeah, I mean, uh, at, at 85 aged. grand. It's still it's still half the, at least half the price of any of the other cars I mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, they've done, done an incredible job with that. I'm still not a huge fan of the interior. I don't like that. The middle spine that, yeah. you know, yeah. that bifurcates. That's, that's, that's my that's my biggest complaint about it. Yeah. But at least for the 2021 models, they have made the the camera mirror system as standard equipment. So even on the base uh, LT1, oh, you don't have to step up to the next trim level to get the camera mirror. It's standard now across the board on all of them. So you have much better visibility behind you, which awesome. is hugely important in a car like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, sure. you know, next up, you know, the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Uh, it's the first, the first time Ford's ever built a purpose-built EV. Um, and it's also the first vehicle with a Mustang badge on it that isn't a coupe or a convertible with an internal combustion engine in the front driving driving the rear wheels. And a lot of people, you know, have huge concerns about that. You know, I'm at the point where, you know, I, I certainly had concerns about it when they first hinted at it a couple of years ago at the Detroit Auto Show and hinted that it might be called the Mach 1. You know, I thought that was a bad idea. I said that to Jim Farley. <clears throat> and I have no, no pretense that he paid any attention to me specifically, but, <laughs> but he certainly listened to the crowd that, that wailed about that, but they did keep the Mustang name and I'm fine with it. I, you know, it, it is what it is as, as they say, but um, you know, the Mach E, if you're, you know, if you're looking for an EV that, you know, has room for five, you know, that is, you know, I think design is obviously very subjective. You know, I, I like the way it looks, um, you know, it's certainly uh, it's much higher riding than any Mustang before, but compared to most utilities, it's actually relatively low. Uh, you know, it drives great. It looks great. You know, everything about it. I think it's, it, it's a really well executed vehicle. And as long as they can build them correctly, then, you know, I think I think Ford is going to have a huge success with this thing. And it bodes well for what Ford is going to be doing in the future with EVs. Um, yeah, I think it's a great iteration of of one of their most iconic assets, which is the Mustang name. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a great evolution of of what else of rethinking what a Mustang looks like and 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 feels like and and performs and, and you know evs are known for their torque i mean there's they're known for performance so you can still get that same feeling um and and i think they did a good job of honoring and respecting that mustang nameplate with this vehicle yeah and you know the the market as we know has moved away from coupes and convertibles you know 
we're we're obviously all sad about that, but it is that is the reality of the situation. Yeah. And if you're gonna stay in business, you've got to respond to what the market is is wants. And I think that this is right now for this time, you know, is probably the best possible response that that Ford could make to keep the Mustang brand alive and relevant in the mm-hmm. in the market going forward. Mm-hmm. And also as a way to attract people that are that like the Mustang brand, you know, to bring them in to, you know, to EVs, you know, to Ford EVs. Um, so, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next couple of years as all of these legacy automakers try to battle it out both amongst themselves and also with all the newcomers in the market to grab, you know, the, the EV market share. And, uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I think that, you know, as a, as a first step for Ford, you know, they've done a lot of things right with, with this vehicle. And then, you know, the, um, you know, as, as often a completely different direction, the Jeep Gladiator Mojave, you know, um, I think, you know, what they did with the Mojave to the Gladiator, I, I love it. I think it's great. You know, it's it's not a vehicle that I would likely ever buy, but it was a lot of fun to drive. Uh, why wouldn't you buy it? Just out of curiosity. Just I, mean, I, I don't personally have a need or want okay. for an off road vehicle. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's you not, did, it's not an inexpensive vehicle. If I did, it is absolutely one that would be, you know, near the top of my list. Okay. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I like the way it drives on, you know, on dirt roads, um, you know, especially, you know, rough dirt roads, uh, the, the driving dynamics are, are excellent. I thought, I thought I, I like the way it drives a lot better than the F-150 Raptor. Mm-hmm. I think the the Raptor, um, you know, which is, you know, both the, the Mojave and the, the Gladiator Mojave and the Raptor are both designed as as high speed off road vehicles as opposed to dedicated rock crawlers. OK. Um, you know, and the, the Raptor, you know, feels a lot softer and mushier, um, whereas the, the Mojave feels much more controlled. Mm. Um, and I, I like the way it drives, especially on the road, but, you know, also off the road, I think. I preferred the way it drives. Um, and, you know, it's, it's got, you know, that, that those fun aspects of the, of the Jeep Wrangler, you know, you can take the roof off, you can take the doors off if you want. You've got, you've got that flexibility, you know, to, to for that, if you're into that kind of lifestyle, you know, it's, it's not what I'm interested in. You know, I'm interested in, you know, low slung, you know, sports cars that go around curves really fast. Um, but, you know, for what it is, I think it's, it's really well done. Um, and then, you know, low lights, you know, I guess, again, as, as you said, Dan, you know, there's nothing bad out there, but just, you know, in terms of kind of a disappointment as to what I was hoping for versus what I got, you know, the Cadillac CT4V, um, you know, I yeah. really liked the ATS, especially the ATSV. Um, you know, and this, the CT4 is the replacement for that. Um, you know, and the, you know, the two seven turbo is, is it's powerful. It's got lots of power, but I don't know. It just didn't have the, you know, didn't have what I wanted in that car. Uh, and maybe the black wing series. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when they launched the black wing later this year, you know, which will have the, the twin turbo V six, like you had in the ATSV, you know, maybe that, you know, we'll get it back to where I prefer it to be. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, size and, 
you know the 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 format of the vehicle i like that but it's just the 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 ct4v just didn't really turn me on and the you know the lexus rx 450 you know <laughs> we've 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 waxed on about you know the rx numerous times over the past year there's gonna year. be a new one coming yeah there, and yes it is it is at the end of its life cycle yeah. and you know and finally the prius you know, oh yes, uh, it's, well, it's so that's so that's <laughs> interesting from you because the Prius for a long time, you know, like it blazed the path, and it was one of those things that we wound up finding ourselves defending, even as enthusiasts, saying like, "Look, it's not exciting to drive, but it's it's a, quite a technological achievement, and it really does move the needle." And and now it's kind of yeah, well, and it served its purpose, you know, just yeah, as you know, a couple of years ago, you know, I I when I talked about the uh, the Prius C. You know, which is basically a hybrid Yaris. I loved you know, that thing. That was my know, favorite Prius. When, again, when it launched, you know, it had a purpose. How which are was to, we friends, to, to create, Dan? A, create a more right. affordable, <laughs> a more affordable uh, hybrid Sorry. from Toyota. You know, both. You know, all all the variants of the Prius had a purpose, which was, as you say, to blaze that path of electrification. Mm-hmm. They served that purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, hybridization is now a mainstream thing. You can get hybrids in almost every Toyota now, except for yeah, the Tundra. And, and sometimes and, you don't even realize that it's a hybrid, like the uh, the Defender 110 I just had. Um, I had to look that up. Yeah, say, well, that's a mild a, hybrid. Yeah, but, but still, I mean, yeah. it's, it's but, hybridization. I mean, even, you know, the, the, the Prius-style, you know, strong hybrid system, I and mean, you can get that in, you know, the, the Rav, the Corolla, the Camry, the Avalon, uh, the Highlander, the the um, the Sienna, and you know the the Prius, you know, has been its sales have been declining for years. Uh, you know the Ra- the Rav Four Hybrid is now the most popular um, uh, Toyota yeah. hybrid. Last year, you know, in 2020, uh, or at least up through the end of November, through the first 11 months of the year, 27 percent of rav four sold in the u.s were hybrids it is by far the most popular hybrid sold in the u.s and you know you know similar market share you know is coming in you know for a lot of the other toyota hybrids so i think that the prius served its purpose blazing that trail it's time to let it go yeah and i i don't expect to see a next generation prius in the u.s market oh that's interesting i didn't realize that did i know Uh, that was that uh, no? That, uh, I'm, that's just you, my are opinion. Are you breaking I just, news? <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm I'm just guessing. You know, given okay. given the way the market has shifted away from smaller cars, right. I, I'm I would be I would be shocked if Toyota bothers to bring a, mm. a next generation Prius to the U.S. market. Well, as you say, there's when you have opportunities in um, potentially higher uh, profit vehicles, also like the RAV4 hybrid and such, there's, there's a lot of other options out there. Well, even, even the Corolla, I mean, you know, right. you've got the Corolla hybrid, there's really yeah. no, no reason, especially for something as weird looking as the, as the current generation <laughs> Prius, you know, got, you know, the infotainment, the, the looks. I, well, it's okay. so funny. I, when I drove it this summer, I, I did not want to drive it. I didn't want to be seen driving it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can sympathize with that. You know, so again, it's, it's not that it's bad. It's just, you know, it's, it's day has, you know, it's seen its day. It's time to move on. (laughs) I felt very, very baby boomer and not very Gen X in it. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, you, you, it's like, look, I'm, I'm becoming my parents. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my goodness. All right. So I think that's our, that's our highlights and our lowlights. Any quick predictions, um, for the year? I have one. Um, okay. But it's it's a pretty universal prediction. I think this is always going to be the case. Um, but I think in in 2021, it's this is not the year we see fully autonomous self driving cars oh. <laughs> uh, on the road in in uh, a you know sort of mass way. We've got some on the road, you know, like with Waymo, and they're doing limited testing. It f- self driving doesn't heretic doesn't hit the mark <laughs> this year. That's that's my prediction. I, bold, I feel bold pretty confident. statement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think that I could see this year, as we talked about, kind of evolving as our commutes evolve, as our workspaces evolve. I think our use of the vehicle will continue to evolve. I, you know, a, a third of the luxury market is leases. And those are going to still be coming up and it'll be interesting to see what people do. I, you know, and, and how we use our vehicles. I mean, I feel like some days I just want to get out of my house and I need to go for a drive. And that speaks more towards a sports oriented car, something that is more performance based, more emotional, but it also means, you know, I've talked to my, my brother-in-law about this because sometimes you know, in his busy household, he just needs quiet and like, go, you know, go for a drive and take that conference call. Um, not a zoom call, obviously, but a conference call, like in the park, go sit at the beach, you know, go sit in your car. And so how you're using that car, I think it'll be very interesting to see what, what we find out uh, over the course of, of 2021. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Right. And uh, if, if you want to hear, my predictions on uh, autonomous vehicles in 2021 check out uh, the latest episode of the no parking podcast i'll include a link to that uh, brian seleski and uh, mm-hmm. ceo of argo ai and alex roy and i chatted for about an hour about that stuff uh we hit some myths on on avs but um you know i think the the other thing i think we're going to see this that we will see this year is you know a really big expansion of evs um, we're certainly getting a lot of new models coming to market this year. And I think we're going to see a big growth in sales of EVs um, in 2020 and or 2021 and, and beyond, you know, because in addition to the Mach-E and the Ford E-Transit, um, you know, GM is going to be launching you know, several EVs this year, starting with the Hummer, uh, the Lyric is coming, Cadillac Lyric's becoming, uh, coming early next year. Uh, but Mary Barra is doing keynote, opening keynote for CES um, in a little over a week. And uh, she's expected to announce uh, Chevy Silverado EV um, and and possibly other EVs. So we're, we're going to see a bunch of stuff from GM, the VW ID4 um, and other VW EVs and, and Audi EVs coming to market this year. Some newcomers like Lucid, um, the Nissan Aria uh, is coming this mm-hmm. fall. Uh, so there's going to be a lot more options in in uh, certainly in market segments, you know, where where people are buying vehicles and also, uh, you know, increasingly, you know, in, you know, at price points that people that are going to be more affordable. Hyundai is going to also be launching their their new Ionic 5 this year. Um, 
Kia is going to be launching uh, some new EVs this year. So there's going to be a lot of competition at various price points and different market segments. And so I think that's that's going to be the big thing to watch. I agree. I agree. It'll be very exciting to see. Okay. All right. Hey, so we had one email, it looks like. Uh, let's save that for next time. Okay. So you'll be on the edge of your seat for next week? <laughs> I just, I liked what he had to say. Yeah. So, well, no, so did I. And you are, well, we can, we can, we can do it. I just was just thinking that we were wrapping up sort of a year end show and yeah. this might be a good way to start the new year. Yeah, I think my, it's fine. That was my that's strategic. That's, just, that's the only reason I wanted to do it. Cause I yeah. agree, Dan, you're very soothing to listen to. I am. I am extremely <laughs> soothing to listen to. I'll lean into the mic at the proximity. Like, soothing like, soothing yes, is exactly. not the word I would have used for listening to Dan, but. Uh, you know, some people find, find peace in the chaos. <laughs> you put your best NPR voice on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd last at any NPR station. The general manager would oh, just bounce goodness. me out. Be like, listen, you tried to unionize the newsroom. Get okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I'll be unionized already. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, I start rabble rousing. Um, thanks for listening, everyone, for, <laughs> for 2020. I, I, we need to wrap it up. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's just a, a year of episodes to, to go through, you know, sort of. Well, there's, you know, three and a half years photos. of episodes. Yeah, well, no, 176, I mean, there's 76 episodes. Is we, have a, we have a new How year in front have? of us to, to fill with episodes. Oh, goodness. Um, and. 176 we'll episodes. Yeah, 176. Plus some some other sort of bonus episodes. And we do have other stuff uh, in, in the works. I know that I've said that the last few episodes, we're getting there. Um, we're getting down to business. Some things had to be sort of developed and hooked up, but uh, we've got some, some more content on the way for you. We're going to flesh out those um, those Patreon levels. Uh, I'll, I'll actually try to get on that this afternoon. Um, so... Stay tuned, stay in touch, uh, and we'll see everybody uh, a little deeper into 2021 uh, for the next show. And Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. See you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.